grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you have heard those, those last words of the reading before? Yeah? Maybe you've been to a wedding and you've heard those words before, right? I'm going to ruin your day. Those aren't marriage verses. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote those words, was not talking about marriage or weddings or anything like that. He was actually talking about us. He was talking about the church. And he kicks off his discussion by saying, there are lots of different gifts out there, but when you use those gifts, there's one overriding them all, and that's that's love. Service. Self-sacrifice. That's what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about weddings and marriage at all. But, I guess a good marriage has a lot of self-sacrifice and a lot of gifts that serve one another. So I, I guess it fits for weddings. So if you had that in your wedding, the whole thing's not invalid anymore. You're okay. You're good. Even though it's not what Paul intended. It's important. We're talking about serving talking about the body of Christ serving one another and serving God's work. And Paul's talking about the motivation to serve. Now, there are a lot of different motivations to serve in our world today. There's the first motivation. Nobody else will. Been a part of that one before? Why are you doing it? Nobody else volunteered. It's almost like you're in that, that military line. You know, and the commander says, step forward to volunteer, and everyone else steps back, you know, and you're looking around going, are you kidding me? And you look around, and you roll your eyes, and you accept. Nobody else will. The motivation for diehard martyrs everywhere. And they'll let you know, oh, no one else did it. I got stuck. Another motivation to serve. It's the suppose I should motivation. It's the better living through guilt motivation. You are driven by this motivation if your mom told you to eat your peas because they were starving children in China. That's the motivation. And you learned really fast not to say, well, let's ship it to them. You know, you learned right away, mom did not like that answer, no matter how brilliant it was. So you volunteer and you help out because, well, I guess I should. You take a deep breath, you sigh, you accept. It's a motivation for guilt-ridden people everywhere. There's a third motivation. The third motivation is no one else will do it right. This is your motivation if you organize the silverware, the silverware drawer. If your underwear drawer is organized, then you're motivated by this. No one else will do it right. And by the way, I do organize the silverware and dishwasher. And your motivation for this is you look around and you shake your head disdainfully and accept because no one else can get the job done right. The motivation for type A people everywhere. And Paul talks about a fourth motivation. Love. The author of Hebrews put it this way. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Love at Jesus on the cross. See, he could have been motivated by all those other motivations, and they all would have applied to him. I mean, certainly no one else would. And certainly he should because no one else would and, and no one else could. And no one else really could do it right other than Jesus. Only Jesus could do that job. Only Jesus. That's not why he did it. He did it because he loved him. It wasn't the nail to the cross. He loved you. And love is why Jesus continued to serve you this day. And that's why he invites us to be in service, to be in ministry, to be serving one another in our homes, at our jobs, at our communities, at our church. Love. And sometimes we hold back because we're afraid. Sometimes we hold back because we say, I'm not sure, God, this is for me. Sometimes we hold back because we just don't know what quite what to do. I want to share you a video. It's about a guy who went to Cuba on a mission trip. Same thing we're going to do in April. And uh, quite surprising uh, how he got there and what he did while he was there. So Phil's loading it up for us right now. It's that bottom one there, Phil. Bottom, bottom corner. Bottom right-hand corner. All the way to the side. Hard to sit flat. bottom right hand corner
Just ask Aleda and her sister Myrta. 
The two live on the fourth floor of a Soviet-style apartment complex in the heart of a once-beautiful Havana suburb. We were walking around evangelizing and we got brought to this room. These two uh, elderly ladies were in there. One of them had Parkinson's disease uh, real bad. The more I got to talking with them, the more I realized that uh, they just didn't have any hope. They didn't have any peace in their life. And they uh, pretty much lived that way uh, for 80-something years. They felt like uh, people have been just uh, forget it by the authorities, abandoned, or they feel less than others. That's not true, but that's what they feel. They, they don't have Jesus. They don't have uh, a newborn soul. Not only did they not have Jesus, but in their 80 years, these two women had never even heard the gospel. So the story Rick and LeDuan delivered that afternoon was like a revolution of their hearts. They want to put their faith and truth in Jesus Christ as they only say today. Sometimes God calls you to Cuba. Sometimes God calls you across the street to share a meal with someone who's going through a rough time. Sometimes God calls you to show up at church and smile. Sometimes God calls you to sing. Sometimes God calls you to teach. Sometimes God calls you just to clean something or build something or make a meal or tie a shoe or wipe a tear. In our text for today that, that Karen read for us, Paul's really clear. 
God gives gifts to his church so that the entire body of Christ might be built up. And we are, by the grace of God, a small part of the body of Christ. God has called you to be his body. And you are. You are. You're here. You're not, you're not skiing. You're here. That's awesome. And you know why? Because God's called you here. God's called you here. Your presence here built up someone else. And each and every one of you serve God in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's in an official capacity here at the church, as an usher, reader, whatever. It's in your gifts. It's in your service at home, your jobs. Whatever you do in the name of Jesus, it's gift, it's ministry. that someone out there needs. You are valued. You are needed. You are blessed to be a blessing. And this morning, we want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate you this morning. We celebrate people all the time. This afternoon, you're going to go home, you're going to turn on the TV, and you're going to celebrate Peyton Manning. That's what you're going to do. You're going to celebrate him. You're going to give praise to Manning. You might even wear his name on your back, an orange jersey. You might even cheer yourself hoarse. It's all good stuff. It's all great. Sport is fantastic. I should know I'm first place in the church fantasy football league. It's all good. But I tell you what's better. The deeds that Jesus honors are the ones that are simplest. About feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, visiting those in prison. As Luke 15, Luke chapter 15 tells us, when that stuff happens, God throws a party. Did you know that? When one sinner repents, heaven throws a party. And no one throws a party like God. The angels are cheering. The saints are praising God. God throws a party. Because what just happened isn't uh, something that's going to be a record to be broken or a Super Bowl victory that will be forgotten. The effects are eternal. And what you do, just by being here this morning, will have eternal repercussions. This morning, we celebrate you. Now, if this were the TV show Psych, I would start the slow clap, right? You know? All right? But we're going to do one better today. Because I figure we're good at cheering. And I figure we might need some help because who doesn't love poppers? So this is for you guys today. So, Tom, can you help hand, hand these out here? Yeah. We're going to get poppers here. we got enough for everybody. Oh, yeah, take a bunch. Yeah. In fact, take a couple. Oh, yeah, here you go. Take a couple there. Take some poppers. Yeah. You need more than one. Oh, yeah, I got more. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, pass them down. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Take some more. There you go. Oh, yeah. I need one. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Stand up. I'm going to take a picture of this. All right. So on the count of three, we're going to cheer. You're cheering for you. You're cheering for the person next to you. You're cheering for the person who made the coffee this morning. You're cheering for the person who opened the door. You're cheering for the person who shoveled the sidewalk this morning. You're cheering for people who sang this morning. You're cheering for the guy next to you who showed up today. God bless them. You're cheering for you. I'm cheering for you. Because we are the body of Christ. When the body of Christ gets together and serves God, God throws a party. And so, on the count of three, I want you to yell, shout, and do your poppers. One, two, three. <laughs> Can I get a name in? <laughs> All right. Go in great joy. Serve the Lord. We have a closing song right now. If you want to lose some poppers during the song, go for it. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> I make the mess. I clean up the mess. <laughs> closing song today, We Will Dance.